The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. And we're also located in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, right across the street from Winkies. We're now able to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like additional information, please visit our website at ellenbecker.com for more details. We're going to have a great show today, and our goal today is to create some life balance. And when I talk about life balance, it's anything if you are um, a retiree, if you're working, if you're working and you have kids, um, if you're working and you don't have kids. I think if you talk to anybody today, they're all saying, you know what, life is stressful. And back in the day when we didn't have all this technology that helps us make our lives more efficiently, I think we had more downtime. In fact, I just saw a posting on Facebook and it had a visual of about four kids on their little tricycles and their bicycles. And it said something to the effect of, thank goodness we were in the generation prior to technology because back in my day, we did stuff. We hung around with the neighborhood kids. Um, We played red light, green light. Um, We played, boy, I can't even think of all the games, but um, there was a community within your neighborhood. And I think kids today don't have that community. Um, Even when you think of uh, working women or retired people, you need a community, whatever that consists of. So we are blessed to have Sarah Kent, Um, who is a, and she has so many initials after her name, I can't even tell you what they are, but hopefully Sarah will share a little bit about um, her expertise. But she is the senior dietitian and health coach with Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Workforce Health. And we're going to be talking about health. In fact, what a perfect time. Here we are, a couple months into the new year, and everybody made those great New Year's resolutions, I included. In fact, if my doctor's listening today, let me share a little tidbit. I am trying to get my health in order because we always talk about financial health with clients, with myself, with everybody. And we touch on physical health, but we don't get into it in great detail. So I thought, why don't I walk the talk I'm going to not only get financially healthy this year, I'm going to get physically healthy. So um, I have decided every Friday I'm going to weigh in at my doctor's office. And the first Friday of every month, I wanted a photo of myself in the exact same outfit so I could look at the success and the transition. And I did that for three weeks straight. And then, of course, life got busy. I missed one Friday and I'm already off the wagon on that. So I'm um, dedicating uh, this next week to get things back in gear and to continue my um, my point of becoming physically healthy. So I'm hoping that the audience has a few takeaways on what they can do um, for themselves or a family member to kind of get people back on the track of uh, becoming healthy. So 
Let's talk about um, some of these initials after your name. So um, first of all, I want to welcome you, Sarah. Welcome to the show. And why don't you give us a little snippet of your day-to-day life as you are the senior dietitian? What does that mean and what's a typical day for you? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me um, onto your show. I'm excited to be here and I hope that I can provide some little tidbits of information to the listeners today. Um, I am a senior dietitian, a master's degree in human nutrition, a certified health and wellness coach um, with Frater in the Medical College, the Department of Workforce Health. Um, our department specifically uh, works with the community, and we currently work with over uh, 200 employers, serving 80,000 employees, um, providing uh, wellness in the workplace. And um, in a typical day, I would actually go into um, an employment office, into a workplace, and work with an employees um, in a variety of different segments, maybe doing a presentation, um, but a lot of times working one-on-one with employees on exactly what you were just talking about, behavior change. It's so hard. <laughs> it is It is difficult. And they always say if you do something for 30 days, it becomes um, a habit and you don't have to think about it. I can tell you I disagree with that a little bit because I can do something for 30 days and then um, sure enough, I'm suddenly off track. So um, kind of interesting. But I want to get back to going into the workforce because Mm -hmm. do you think we as Americans are behind the um, time frame with this? Meaning I think European firms have been doing Mm -hmm. workforce health forever. Mm -hmm. Um, Companies in China, in Japan, they have really wrapped their arms around this, and it's part of their culture. Mm-hmm. So we as Americans, I think, um, we're a little slow on this. Would you agree with that? Oh, I definitely agree. I mean, we spend the majority of our life in the workplace. You know, that's where you are the majority of your day. And so you want it to be a place where um, you, not only do you enjoy feeling, have that sense enjoy working, you have that sense of purpose, um, but also it's a place where you can keep on those health behaviors that are congruent with what you want your lifestyle to be. Well, you know, when you think about it, if you were given one place setting, meaning a cup, a plate, and some silverware, you would take care of that cup, plate, and silverware very um carefully and you would clean it manage it make sure it's there for the rest of your life think of your body this is it you Mm -hmm. are given one heart one set of lungs um two knees Mm -hmm. two hips but this is it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of interesting how we don't take care of our bodies Mm -hmm. and now you know when you think of taking care of yourself it's both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that you're going into um, companies and providing this. I know um, we actually did some seminars called um, Financially Fit in companies where financial concerns create stress and stress creates health issues. Um, so it's kind of interesting that we both touch corporations in very different mm-hmm. ways. Um, Most definitely. S- So we're going to talk a little bit about what you can implement and do right away to try and improve your health. And the first thing we're going to talk about is my favorite thing, sleep. And it's funny, as a kid, you hate naps. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, you love naps. And um, as, as we think about sleeping, how many hours do you think a teen needs to sleep versus an adult? 
Well, the thing about it is, as a child, as a teenager, you need even more sleep, actually, than as an adult. And just kind of going back to what you're saying about kids and and teens, they don't want to sleep. You know, they want to stay up until midnight on their smartphones and whatnot. So in answering that question, you know, a teenager easily may need that 10 hours of sleep at night. And a lot of them, you know, certainly aren't getting it because there's so many other things they want to be doing. I, I love sleep and my family knows that. And I never get enough because I'm always moving, moving, moving. I'll do something called a power nap. And I have the type of personality where I can close my eyes for about 15 minutes, really shut down, and I can kind of wake up and I'm ready to go. And not everybody has the ability to do that. Tell me, this thing called a power nap, and I obviously didn't coin the phrase, are those beneficial? Um, are well, they most not? Definitely, most definitely. So um, 20 minutes, you know, it's, we're looking for that 20 minute time range. If you're taking a nap and kind of a long power nap, you know, if it's an hour, that's too long. It can actually make you more tired later on in the day. But, you know, you were even talking about other countries and other countries, they take a break in the day just to take a nap. And really, when you sleep, it regenerates your brain. Your brain's active. It's it's not turned off when you're sleeping. So a power nap of even 15, 20 minutes can regenerate your brain. And when you get back to what you're doing, you might just be better and more efficient at it. Well, and I'm reading some of the notes you provided. It actually affects metabolism. How does it affect metabolism? It most definitely affects metabolism. So um, when you get that sleep, it's so important for kind of regenerating your body and also your body's hormones. When you're sleep deprived, you actually make more of a hormone called ghrelin that makes you hungry. So it makes you eat more. And when you're overtired, a lot of times when you're overtired, I mean, you don't want a salad, right? When you're overtired, you want a donut. You want fatty, greasy foods, sugary foods. So it affects hormone production um, as well as then may result in certain behaviors, which you don't necessarily want to be doing. That's been really helpful. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are blessed to have Sarah Kent with us today, uh, Senior Registered Dietitian. And um, we are talking about uh, things that you can put into place today to have a positive impact on your um, physical well-being. And we, we were talking a little bit about naps. And if, if you're listening out there today, go ahead, get a paper and pen out. And Sarah's going to share with us what you can do to try and improve the whole sleep situation. So there's things we can do to have a better night's rest. Definitely, definitely. And we talked about naps. That's great. If you can do a 15-minute nap, not everyone has time in their day to do that. So let's talk about what we can do about um, that nighttime sleep and really getting quality nighttime sleep. One thing, believe it or not, physical activity. So even doing 10 minutes of physical activity during the day raises your body temperature. And we believe at night that drop in body temperature. So even 10 minutes of physical activity during the day can influence your sleep at night and give you better quality sleep um, because there's a change in body temperature. So it's really amazing. Other things that you can do, remove electronics. Like don't even put your cell phone plugged in by your bed. Put it downstairs, turn it off, get the electronics out of the bedroom, TV off. People say, oh, you know, TV helps me sleep at night. That light, it stimulates your brain. This is time for your brain to be turned off. Um, 
in the sense that it's going to be regenerating while you're sleeping. Make a to-do list. Put it on the side of your bed. If you're anxious about things you have to do the next day, there's a lot on your mind, get it out of your mind and put it on the paper. And also ideal temperature. We don't want it to be too hot. We don't want to be freezing cold. Really anywhere from as low as 60 degrees to 67 degrees um, is the ideal temperature for your home to get that quality sleep at night. You know, that's interesting with the temperature because people buy electric blankets to be hot at night. And maybe because we live in Wisconsin, and although it hasn't been terribly cold recently, um, that's interesting. You know, I have to share with you, I bought an app, and I, uh, I, I wore a little bracelet, and it monitored my sleeping patterns. And it was very educational for me to see on a consistent basis when I stirred at night and when I... Um, I'm going to say partially woke up and then went right back into sleep. Um, so if you are interested to see how well you're sleeping, check out some of the technology that's out there today um, to help you do that. And again, it, it, I wore a bracelet, so it wasn't like I had my cell phone attached to me or anything. Um, it was just great to see the results the next day. I think you bring up such an important point, Jean. It's you go through cycles. That's why we need seven to nine hours. We can't get those benefits of sleep cycles with just, you know, three hours. Seven to nine hours a night for adults. I have to remind my daughter of that. Let's talk about physical activity. I know um, we, I think, are starting to realize there are definitely some benefits to physical activity. I think there are my clients who are older are trying to stay physical. In fact, there's a commercial, and I use the tagline, uh, a body in motion stays in motion. And my husband and my daughter will chuckle when I say that because it's so true. I saw it directly with my father. Um, when he had periods where he was inactive, you definitely saw it strained his health. So let's talk, you know, what are some of the problems with Americans with physical activity? We watch all these commercials, right? They're running on the beach, they're playing golf, but is that reality for a large portion of our population or a large percentage of our population? Yeah, I think, you know, we all want that. We all want to be running on the beach, but unfortunately, uh, the majority of adults are inactive for about six to uh, eight hours a day, okay, not including the time you're sleeping. And um, those of us over age 60 are sedentary for more like nine hours a day. What they're saying, this is kind of the tagline, sitting is the new smoking. So, right, we know uh, how bad smoking is for our health. Well, now we're saying, holy cow, sitting um Sitting is really hard on our bodies. Um, increased risk of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and even early death um, with a completely inactive lifestyle. And, you know, there's technology out there as well. I know some of my coworkers have this app on their phone that will beep and say, you need to do some activity. You've been inactive for one hour or you need to drink some water. You haven't had water. So it's funny how now we've we've got to um, have tools and resources for people to remind us to do this stuff. Where I think when you think of our grandparents, and this goes way back, they didn't need that because they were doing laundry and hanging laundry out on the clothesline. I still can remember my grandmother doing that. They were working a garden. Everybody had a garden in their backyard. They were doing things where we're not. Right? You're so right. And that's the thing. You know, we're blessed with all this amazing technology um, and advances, but 
That's what's leading to our sedentary lifestyle. I mean, you don't remember when you had to walk over to the TV to change the channel? You have to do that. You have a remote. You know, you don't need to shovel your snow because you have a snowblower. Um, you don't even need to walk upstairs. There's escalators. So uh, there's conveniences that make life easier, but unfortunately they make us more sedentary and um, that's affecting our health. Every little bit, these little, little snippets of exercise we could have gotten at one point. Well, it's interesting in some of the material you provided, you refer to the standing desk or standing rather than sitting. And at Ellen Becker Investment Group, we all received standing desks. And the best part about it is we're using them. And you walk around and you do see people standing. Um, It's a great option. It does make you more productive, I think, sometimes because you're standing, you're not sitting, and you know you're active trying to complete the task. But um, it is amazing. And we're starting to see some benefits just on how physical we are. And the standing desk, there's a you know, there's a lot of research actually supporting just standing. You don't even have to be walking, just standing. Um, it can help better control glucose, blood sugar, okay? Um, it can also, again, decrease some of those risk factors um, for chronic disease later on in life. So that can make a big difference. Well, you know, anybody can maybe relate to this. Maybe not anybody. Maybe not you because you're younger than I How many people have gone home and taken their socks off and see the ring on their calf where their sock was? And it's from sitting so much and the fluids in your water actually is in your ankles and your feet. Mm -hmm. And the more activity you do, the less rings you're going to have from your socks on your calves and your ankles. Um, I hope everybody's chuckling out there. So when, when we talk physical activity... We're not talking about running marathons or lifting 200-pound weights. Let's do this in age groups. If you're, let's say, 60 and above, what would you, and and obviously everybody needs to consult with their doctor before they start or participate in any physical activity, but my grandmother died in her 90s, and I am certain she lasted so long because she used to do sit and be fit which is an exercise program where you sit in a chair and you work with bands and um, weights and you exercise, you stretch, you move your legs, your arms, your, your waist, everything. But let's talk about something somebody could maybe start at home after they consult with their physician. Now, sit and sit and be fit is an option, but can you think of some other exercises that they may um, present to their doctor as far as um, doing at home? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, and, and I just want to emphasize exactly what you said. I'm not, we're not talking to go, about going outside and running marathons here. We're talking about doing something to be moving. Um, and the key is timing. So we're not talking about going out and running marathons here. We're talking about just getting up and moving more, even standing during the day. Try to include at least 30 minutes of some sort of activity at least five days a week. So at the end of the week, it's 150 minutes is what we're kind of looking at. And it could be broken up into um, 10-minute sessions. Walking, simply getting up and walking 10 minutes three times a day. Other types of exercise that might be easier if you have issues, um, concerns with joints. So getting in a pool, doing some water walking, water aerobics, a stationary bike where um, you are 
not putting any extra strain on certain joints. Well, you know, it's funny you talk about that 30 minutes. I try to exercise in the morning. So I will set my alarm clock for 4.15, 4.30. And I will have this conversation in my head that says, if I can't dedicate 30 minutes to myself today, that's a problem. I can do this. It's only 30 minutes. And then when I get on the treadmill, I actually do a 30-minute um, program, and that is dedicated to myself. Um, so it's kind of interesting that you talk about that. Is there a difference if you exercise in the morning versus the afternoon? Not necessarily. Um, there are some theories that if you exercise in the morning, does it increase your metabolism through the day? Honestly, it's most important that you actually just exercise. So if you exercise in the morning, there are oftentimes fewer chances you might miss. If you exercise in the afternoon, sometimes things come up during the day and you don't end up getting to it. But the most important thing is you do that activity whenever it works for you. Perfect. With that, let's take a break and keep your pencil and pad out. When we get back, we're going to talk about nutrition. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We've been having quite a lively conversation with Sarah Kent. And Sarah is a senior dietitian health coach with Freydert in the and the Medical College of Wisconsin Workforce Health. Sarah has the ability to go into corporations big and small and work with their employees and trying to help them become more healthy. And I I say that, and again, I'm going to step back to the financial planning world I am in. You can plan for retirement financially. You can also plan physically. So remember, when you're thinking retirement, you need wealth, you need health, and you need a purpose. People forget that health thing, or they don't plan and prepare to maintain their health into retirement. So Um, We're going to continue our conversation, and now our focus is going to be on nutrition. And, you know, if my doctor is listening, he's laughing because every time I go in for my annual physical, I always say, I don't want to talk about my weight. And it's such a challenge for most people. And he'll remind me, Gene, it's calories in, calories out. And he's often referring to the Mediterranean diet. But before we even jump into that, let's talk about all the diets that are out there. You know, there are people who are gluten-free, people who are vegetarian, people who are vegans, people who are following the paleo diet. Then there's the Atkins. I mean, what's interesting, when you think about that, the vegetarian diet is no meat. The Atkins diet is all about meat and bacon and you know, all that stuff. What do you believe out there? Well, I think you have to look internally and look at yourself and think, you know, what's going to work for you to maintain that healthy lifestyle? And if that means that um, avoiding certain groups of foods or including more of another groups of food are going to help you to really maintain that healthy, balanced lifestyle, then that's what you have to focus on. But taking a step back, I think big picture, you know, you mentioned Mediterranean diet. This is one we've known for years, year after year after year. This type of diet promotes heart health. It can help with weight loss. Um, The Mediterranean diet decreases inflammation in your body, helps with um, 
controlling your blood pressure. So with all these fad diets you mentioned, um, the Mediterranean diet is not a fad diet. It's definitely a lifestyle and one that I would encourage people to look into more closely. Well, when you think about it years ago, everything was fat free, right? Right. And now guess what? I'm buying real butter. I'm not buying all the chemicals. Mm -hmm. During our break, Sarah and I were talking and I said, you know, I've really started to look at labels and ingredients. And I'm going to give you an example without using the um, brand name. But there is a sour cream out there that has one ingredient. If you look at an alternative brand, that alternative brand is going to have three or four or five ingredients. And sour cream should have one ingredient. Makes you concerned, doesn't it, Jean? What is all that stuff? Why do we need all that other stuff? You know, right. makes you a little curious about that. Yeah. In fact, I've started eating um, protein bars just to make certain I have enough protein. If I can't read the ingredients and understand them, I'm not buying it. Because really, part of our story today is going to be about calories in, calories out. But boy, I think I want to put put good calories in my body, even my bread. You know, if you buy a, a, a bread versus a sprouted bread, and I'm going to use that, where it is all natural, it's a little bit more in calories, but everything that's going into my system is healthy for me. Right. And I, you know, I just want to kind of re- reiterate some of the points that you made. So thinking about health, meaning nutrient-packed foods. So, you know, a sprouted grain bread, which is going to be high in lots of vitamins and minerals and fiber, doesn't necessarily mean that it's low in calories. So I just kind of want to mention that because if you are trying to lose weight, and and you already kind of said this, which is so important, calories in versus calories out, whether it's from, you know, a healthy avocado or from candy, I want you to pick the healthy foods, but notice they can still add up in calories very quickly. So, you know, we touched a little bit on those fad diets. Give me your 30-second opinion on them. Are people doing good for their bodies when they're eliminating all food groups? Or, um, you know, share with share with our audience your thoughts on fad diets. The good about fad diets, um, it's a point to um, kind of start over, regenerate yourself clear out some of the bad habits, get a fresh start, maybe reflect on some of the things you aren't doing so well and kind of restart. And once you see a little weight loss, sometimes it gets you going. You get excited about it. The bad side, you're cutting out a lot of nutritious foods, especially something like Atkins where you can't have those whole grains packed with fiber and B vitamins. Um, So when you're cutting out whole food groups, that can actually end up leading you to overeat or binge on those foods later. So some good and some not so good um, points there. Well, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about is all the detoxing diets where mm-hmm. for 30 days you can only eat items that begin with the letter D, you know, mm-hmm. or all this goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the skinny on the detox diets? Yeah. Oh, well, it works, right? Because you're, you're cutting out how many foods out of your diet and all those foods reduce the calories. So it works and people feel great. But I always wonder... Do you feel great because of the detox diet or do you feel great because you cut out all the chips, soda, candy, and junk? Um, And really, if you you kind of just started with those basic things, cutting out some of those snacky type junk foods, desserts, if you started with that, you probably would feel like a million bucks without doing kind of one of these um, wild detox diets. So what are some healthy snacks? I mean, we as Americans love snacking. Yeah. Um, give our give our listeners some healthy snack choices. 
First, I would say nuts, okay? Anything from nut butters, you could put it on celery, put it on an apple, um, a handful of almonds, a handful of mixed nuts. Nuts are filled with heart-healthy fat, lots of fiber, um, and they can control your blood sugar because since they're low in carbohydrates and sugar, they don't cause um, kind of that spike, like snacking on you know candy or chips, like those types of foods do. Um, other snack ideas, hummus, okay, hummus, which is pureed um, chickpeas, often with other flavors, is a great dip to have on raw vegetables, uh, maybe a whole grain cracker. Uh, yogurt, okay, you mentioned protein. So when you eat those protein-rich foods, again, help you to feel full and satisfied. Maybe you end up eating less of something else later on. So um, one portion of a Greek yogurt, that can be a great snack as well. So all the things that you've talked about, you know, nuts, you have to make sure they're, they're the healthy raw nuts. You don't want the sugar-coated um, honey. Chocolate-covered peanuts, right, yeah. <laughs> right, You don't want those. And even yogurts. Look at your labels as you're looking at your yogurts. They all have different ingredients and different levels of sugar. I think you will be amazed at what you're putting into your system. And there's that whole movement farm to table. Boy, our grandparents did that. And now we're trying to get back to that. Everything is cycling. So definitely um, look at the labels. So I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Is there one food you would stop eating right now? And I know you're going to say chips and candy bars, but is it diet soda? Is it, you know, what, what would you totally stop today without using a label or a brand? I would not stop anything. And that's um, kind of a trick answer because this is a lifestyle you know, a lot of times when we give certain foods up and say we're never, ever going to have a food again that we love, you know, that's part of our lifestyle. So everything in moderation. Yeah. Now now you're starting to talk like my doctor, everything in moderation. Well, and you know, I'm going to go back to that nut comment. I am totally into almond milk these days. I love it in my coffee. It gives it a nutty, creamy um, flavor without being the heavy cream. But there's almond butter, like a peanut mm-hmm. butter. Mm-hmm. Um, is this better than um, eating peanut butter? Yes. So the um, fatty acid profile in almonds um, lends to a better balance than peanuts. Peanuts are fine. You know, we can definitely still eat peanut butter and peanuts. But yes, um, almond butter is going to have preferable balance of certain fatty acids. Perfect. Well, sh- thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I'm getting a cue that we should take a break here. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation on health and wellness. If you are a small or a large company and you'd like to reach out to Sarah to learn more about her programs, she can be reached at 414-805-3666. With that, let's take a break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, Whitefish Bay, and now we can even serve clients in Bonita Springs. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about us, please visit ellenbecker.com for more details. If you click on the who's who or learn about our team, you'll see there's a little video that includes my favorite four-legged friend, our dog, Mr. Percy Jackson. So I hope you visit our site and learn a little bit more about us. We have had a great conversation talking about health and wellness. And Sarah Kent, who works at Freightort, uh, who works with workforce um, and community groups, um, she can be reached at 414 
805-306-3666. But we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to shift gears. Our prior segments really focused on physical body health. And now we're going to focus on uh, mental health and becoming more um, mentally um, fit. And one thing I'm reading a ton about is um, being more mindful and doing mindfulness training. And if you want to share with our listeners today, what does it mean to be mindful? Um, And define the word mindfulness. So mindfulness is the non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. So what does that really mean is being in the moment, being aware of your feelings, your thoughts, your actions, um, being more aware of what we're doing in that moment. So why is it so important? You know, our lives are so busy. We're so, so hectic. We have a lot of stress. Um, we're juggling, doing multiple things at one time. And so by being mindful, believe it or not, it can actually help decrease anxiety. It can increase concentration. So um, it can help you to focus your energy onto whatever your goal is, whether that's a conversation, an eating habit. It can really help you um, to even manage pain better, um, increase compassion or empathy for a loved one. So being in that moment can have a lot of benefits to mental health. And you're right. I think we're living in a society where we're rushing everywhere, right? We're rushing to work. We're rushing home. We're rushing our kids to practice. We're rushing home. And, you know, gone are the days of sitting across the dinner table on a regular basis and sharing what happened to you today? Tell me, share something good about your day. What was fun? People aren't doing that. And so here we are talking about taking, what, three minutes out of your day to kind of reset the level of stress in your in your mind, which then reduces the lo- level of stress that your body is feeling. So let's talk about this. Should I um, do these mindful exercises in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening? Um, you know, what's the best time to do this type of exercise? It's really what's going to work for you. You know, so for some people, they like to start their day with just a few um, deep breaths, meditating for just a few minutes, um, anticipating what's going to be happening throughout your day, just kind of clearing your brain. Sometimes it's at the end of the day. Maybe you're having trouble sleeping. You know, we talked about sleep and the importance of that. So maybe at the end of the day, you need to just take a moment and be mindful about what happened in your day, um, what you need to kind of set aside and what's out of your control and what you're anticipating for the next day. For others, it might be in the moment of whatever that stressor might be. Maybe it's a conversation you're having with a loved one or a colleague that's particularly stressful or anxiety-provoking. So maybe it's in that moment you just take a breath. That's kind of the key point. Just taking a few deep breaths um, and just really taking a step back in that moment. Well, I know at our company when we were um, doing yoga as a group and it was a, a company event, we were all learning how to breathe. When you're a baby and you're born, you automatically know how to breathe. And as adults, we have to go back and really learn to take some deep breaths and start this process of being mindful and meditate and really be aware of our surroundings. Now, there's different things um, that you can do to help with that. You can look at a particular personal item, whether it be a cross or whether it be a picture of your last vacation, and really kind of take a moment and put yourself in that scenario again, 
or maybe it's listening to music and just closing your eyes. So I know I personally am trying to practice being um, mindful about mindfulness and meditating, and I know it does kind of reframe and reset your level of stress. Um, And like you said, I fit it into my day. And does it happen every day? Absolutely not. But am I aware that it should be happening? And by the end of the day, say, you know what, I can take three minutes out for myself. And I do know, being a wife and a mother, there are stressful situations that happen at home. And I will just take a breath. And I will respond, not react to the situation. And if you're listening out there, you can sense there's a difference when you respond to something versus react. And that's taking a moment, taking a breath, and trying to move forward appropriately. I think that's such a good point. Just taking that moment, take a breath, and you can really retrain your brain so that in those types of situations, you will respond differently with that practice. And it takes takes practice, like you said. It takes practice. This is not something that happens overnight. We're going to talk a little bit about social connections. And um, what's interesting is I have something called a breakfast club. And we've been meeting um, way back when. In fact, none of us had children. And now our kids are in their teenage years. And we still meet. And before we were talking about baby issues, now we're talking about teen issues and all the fun stuff that goes along with that. But we find women tend to have um, more social connections than males. And they're starting to see there's a correlation between social connections and longevity. And share with us a little bit about um, social connections and how you can improve that area of your life. Well, you know, relationships are important to overall well-being. And um, as you mentioned, you know, I work with employees in the workplace and what they found that actually having close relationships, friendships, um, friendships at work can increase employee satisfaction. Um, and, you know, our communication has changed a little bit at work. You know, we do a lot of emails, we do a lot of texting, um, but even something as simple as taking a few minutes at the beginning of your day before you dig in or taking a break, maybe walking, um, and taking that break to talk to a colleague and just nurture that relationship it can help with job satisfaction and just overall that life satisfaction. And I think it's really important to get those social connections. And um, again, I always say test out your retirement before you retire. I find social com- uh, connections in different activities that I enjoy to do, whether it's painting or in a book club, but it's having a community around you. And even as you age, they're finding individuals who are living at home alone after their spouse died, when they move into an assisted living facility and they now have a new community, they are starting to see that those individuals are living healthier, better lives through the day because now they have this social connection. And when you think about those senior um, facilities, they have a ton of social connections. With that, I really do want to thank Sarah Kent for joining us again. She can be reached at 414-805-3666. I hope we've given you a couple tips today to improve your physical and mental health. And with that, remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Be well. 
Your EIG Wealth Advisor can help you control risk, make sure your estate plan is in order, and help you understand your financial plan during retirement. But we can't control one of the largest drains on your portfolio during retirement. That's your health. For that, we'd like to share expert cooking tips and health wisdom from a local expert, Chef Michael Becker. So stay tuned. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another gathering, as you know it, called Food Sense. You know, we gather around the radio or we get together and we talk about food. And I love it because I get to share with you the things that I learned day to day. One of the things that I just received just before coming to the radio, I received an email about gluten. Chef, we love your gluten-free menu, but your pasta is different than a lot of the gluten-free pastas that we have tasted. Before I go into the details of a gluten-free pasta or my gluten-free menu, let's just talk about gluten. Gluten is really a general name for the proteins found in wheat, barley, and in rye. Gluten helps foods maintain their shape and their consistency. And they act as a glue. I mean, gluten works really as a glue. And that's why you find it in some foods that you cannot even imagine. Look, if this thing comes from wheat, what is it doing in ice cream? And you're not supposed to know about it, and you don't need to know about it. That's why they don't put it on the package. But if it's gluten-free, they have to let you know it's gluten-free. It doesn't make any sense, does it? They put gluten in an ice cream to maintain consistency, but they don't need to tell you about it. Eh, I don't know why, but I hope... You really think about those things and you read the details of the package. Now, one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we want to go gluten-free according to our desire to get gluten out of our diet for, let's say, a week, two weeks, a month, or we have to because we are gluten intolerant or we are suffering from celiac, which is very serious. And one of the reasons that some kitchens don't understand the seriousness of celiac on gluten-free is because they're really not educated about it. The biggest mistake you can make when you want to go gluten-free or when you have to go gluten-free is eating ingredients or dishes that usually ask for gluten um, ingredients or gluten in them, such as gluten-free pasta. A gluten-free pasta should only be a few ingredients. When you look at, uh, behind the package of a gluten-free pasta and it's 13, 14 ingredients and 12 of them you can't even pronounce, uh-uh, that should not go in your body. You're not taking gluten out and adding 13 other ingredients in there that you have no need for. A gluten-free pasta should be from Piemonte, region of Italy, all the way in the north, should be non-GMO corn, eggs for binding, extra virgin olive oil, and a pinch of salt, and that's a gluten-free pasta. It will bind. It will be beautiful, absolutely beautiful. That's why my gluten-free pasta is a little bit different than many other gluten-free pastas out there. Pizza is another issue. You notice a lot of these gluten-free pastas, uh, pizza crust that you eat, they have a sweet note to them. Why? They use xanthan gum that is a derivative of corn syrup because it's a binder basically. So when you want to go gluten-free, try to eat a lot of healthy vegetables and mainly the vegetables that grow above ground. Not because 
potato has gluten in it. No, because they're very high in carb. And you want to cut down on your carb as well once you're going gluten-free. I hope you try this diet once in a while to cleanse your body and give it a break from gluten. But remember, I promise you for those of you that are gluten intolerant, go to Italy and have a pasta. You will not have a reaction. Why? Because their wheat is non-GMO and it has not been treated in a way that it should not be treated. That, like I always say, if it's not made by nature, you're not supposed to take it. So keep it pure, keep it simple. And if you have any other questions, send it to me. I hope I see you at Il Mito. I hope I see you at Zesty. I hope I see you at Tumesa with my Mexican menu that is full of gluten-free options. But I cook gluten-free because I eat gluten-free a lot of times. That's why what I eat, you got to eat. If I don't want something in my diet, then I'm not going to put it in your diet either. Love you. Thank you for allowing me to come into your home and talk to you through the radio. But every one of you are with me anyway. Stay well, and I'll talk to you next week. If you would like more of Chef Becker's recipes and food tips, go to ellenbecker.com and click under the resource tab.